Welcome to Aspect Radio. What? Yep, we're back. And movies like Avengers Infinity War bring us back from the dead. So Corey and I are going to talk Avengers Infinity War for just a little bit. So here we go. Enjoy. This is Ben Flanagan, and I'm joined by my good old pal. It's been a long time. Corey Kraft. How's it going, man? Hey, pretty good, man. How are you? Doing okay. And I guess, you know, it's April still as we're talking, but the summer summer movie season of 2018, I guess, officially kicks off now with Infinity War. It's kind of ridiculous to think otherwise because this is bigger than any other movie that's going to come out during the summer or in 2018 for that matter. Here it is, uh, the culmination, at least up to this point, of every Marvel Cinematic Universe movie we've seen so far, The Infinity War. And I, I'm guessing you're a big fan of this. You tend to be a big MCU fan no matter what. I don't know that you dislike any MCU movies. Um, so, weirdly, this big, fat, whopping Avengers movie, the third one to date, happens to be already the most polarizing of all of the Marvel movies, at least from what I gather on Twitter and, and wherever else people talk about movies these days. Corey, do you, do you feel that to be true? And it all seems to be rooted in this ending. Yeah, you know, um, it, it may the ending may be polarizing. I think most filmmakers would, would love to make a movie so polarizing, considering this past weekend it broke. Uh, the records for biggest opening weekend ever. So people seem to be responding to it, or at least they are, you know, loving to not necessarily love it. The ending is, um, I think, exactly necessary. I think when people see MCU movies, a lot of the common complaints are the villains aren't memorable, the stakes aren't high, you just know by the end of the movie the status quo is going to be upheld, and that's, without getting into specifics, certainly not the case with Avengers Infinity War. Um, you're left with, of course, an understanding that some of what you've just seen will no doubt be addressed uh, in the upcoming Untitled Avengers sequel, but without necessarily any idea of how they're going to do it. I mean, obviously, some semblance of the status quo will be returned to you, in that sequel. That's just the nature of storytelling. It's not really a spoiler to say they intend, I'm sure, to uh, address the ongoing uh, issue of Thanos, um, who, for my money, to, to speak directly about him, is also one of the MCU's strongest, most compellingly realized villains, um, a fully dimensional character in ways that uh, at their worst, the MCU villains have not necessarily always been. Um, so I, I think fans got what they were asking for with Infinity War, and it turns out they didn't necessarily love it exactly. But I, but I do think that's just going to make uh, Avengers 4 all the more momentous. Um, since we've known for some time, it is despite the protestations of the filmmakers, a, a continuation of the story. Yeah, Corey, let's go full spoilers here. Um, because it, it's kind of impossible to talk about this movie without getting into it. Because I, I think 
in, in weir- weirdly, I, I'm going to talk out of both sides of my mouth, which I'm sure won't be the first time, but I think y- it's hard to sort of describe how you feel about this movie without talking very specifically about the ending and, and how the ending impacted you. Um, but I also don't think that liking this movie and disliking the ending are mutually exclusive. Hmm. And I, I fall into that category. I, I really, really like this movie a lot. I mean, there's just, if, if you if you really like the MCU, you're going to have a blast up until that moment, depending on whether or not you like it. I didn't care for it. I, I didn't like it. I thought that, you know, and, and there are a lot of things at play here for, for why it didn't rub me the right way. I think narratively it didn't. And I think if I'm stepping outside the box of the movie itself, the marketing was really tricky with this movie. And I think in a way that did kind of a disservice to the fans and I think it bleeds into how you experience Infinity War, which I think is a little unfair, and I think that they kind of played us for suckers, and, and uh, which is, you know, a little bit different than what we're accustomed to with with uh, Kevin Feige and Disney and Marvel Studios and all of that. They've been very smart, very clever, uh, and they've respected fans up to that point. And I'm not saying that this movie is an all-out all out assault on the insanely loyal base of fans who have carried this uh, cinematic universe for, for 10 years now, but I do think that they were naughty in the sense that they initially named this movie Infinity War Part 1 and had scheduled Part 2, obviously, to be the fourth Avengers movie to come out in 2019, but they retracted that and decided, you know what, this is going to be its own movie, it's not going to be half of a whole, and we're just going to we're gonna uh, live with you know, whatever the results are now. It turns out this is probably the most part one movie in part one movie history. <laughs> like, this is, this is less Empire Strikes Back and way more Hunger Games, Harry Potter, and Twilight, in my opinion, in terms of uh, what they do to the fans and this, the, the way that they do it. You know, look, it's 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 not that I, I dislike cliffhangers because I mean, all of all eighteen of the MCU movies have been cliffhangers up to this point. We're used to that. This is an ongoing, essentially episodic franchise where each of the individual movies will have very little closure in terms of the greater MCU landscape. Something is always going to happen next until further notice. But Corey. The way they tried to pull the rug out from under us, I thought, was just so ridiculous in terms of killing off all these characters where they're not killing off any characters. Like, it's so very obvious. And again, I mean, I think MCU is smarter than this, but based on what I just saw, I don't think that they are. I mean, we know that a lot of, if not all of the characters that they killed off in Infinity War, they're going to come back. And I would assume that Kevin Feige and the Russos and everybody knows that we know that, and I'm sure that they're going to do it in a very clever way. But do you not think that there is a little room for criticism in terms of how they handled the ending? I think that the ending could have been stronger with a little more time post-snap. I think that the ending is in a hurry to leave you with that moment of shock that it might have been more effective if it had sat with that moment for a little bit to to contemplate 
or to begin the contemplation of a world without all of these faces, um, a world, well, a universe, really, in which, you know, half of all life has essentially been obliterated, um, you know, that's more of a an Empire Strikes Back ending, the ending that, that says, okay, we just got beat, now let's sit with it for a second. I mean, it it, it rushes to... It kind of rushes past this, and I and I know why they did it, because the Russos and their screenwriters envisioned this uh, as a Thanos movie. You know, they envisioned him as the main character of this movie, and you know the the ending, the conclusion that the film uh, has vis-a-vis Thanos is is pretty good. I just don't think it it, it fits with the impact of of his actions long enough that that might mitigate some of your issues. I mean, obviously, I don't think anybody honestly believes that Black Panther and Spider-Man are gone forever. You know, the cliffhanger's not, oh, they're dead, now what do we do? It, it's more in, the, in how are they going to bring all of these characters back and what, what is the cost going to be? We know that they're coming back. The fact that it's that degree of a cliffhanger is not really bothersome to me, but it could have been, I think, made even more impactful if they'd slowed things down a bit. This movie, you know, is is tremendously entertaining movie um, that that barrels ahead at a, a tremendous speed the whole time. The place that they could have perhaps slowed down is in that ending, so that we feel that impact a bit more than we do. Yeah, I, you know, it, again, like, the movie just really, it, it, it's kind of relentless in terms of its pace. It really, it picks up sort of right in the middle of that pace and, and never stops until the very end when you have this big shocking moment that where it all kind of comes to a halt and it just ends. And, and you're right, you get the feeling, oh, we lost, what now? And judging it, you know, from the perspective of Thanos, he has won, but, you know, the big problem here is he hasn't, right? Like, we know that. We know that this is going to finish in the next Avengers movie. We know that he's only won a round of the fight. And so that's why this all kind of feels slightly incomplete for me. And, and you know, I don't want to go as far as to say it feels dishonest in terms of, of the presentation and, and the execution and, and, you know, what they told us we were going to have versus – what we got and um you know what's to come but um i don't know man it just it just kind of uh rubbed me the wrong way a little bit like i know that people walked out of it saying it's like the biggest gut punch of uh you know not only a marvel movie ending ever but movie ending in general and and i didn't feel that way it, it just kind of whipped for me because um yeah, it just it, there was no like finality to it. Like I, I know that this is I know that this is kind of a hoax, you know. Like we we all know that. And again, I want to give the Russos, Feige, and Marvel enough credit for them to know that too. For them to think like the audience to know. Okay, they're they're going to know that. There are, a, a lot of people are going to be sitting in there, not being crushed by what just happened, but kind of scratching their heads and saying, "Well, okay, that happened, but." there are a million different ways that it can be reversed and we kind of know that it's going to happen. We know what, we know what the result will be. It's just a matter of how they do it, you know? And it's like, look, if Thanos can 
use the time stone to reverse time so that he can get the stone out of Vision's head, then sure enough, the time stone is going to be utilized in the next movie to, to bring everybody back to life, right? Well, you know, that, that may be what happens, but again, it's like, hopefully they know that and they know we know that and they, and they think of, you know, a more clever way to sort of get around the problem. Yeah, I anticipate that the solution is going to be uh, hinted at more strongly, perhaps, in the two movies Marvel has scheduled in between uh, Infinity War and the Avengers sequel. Uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp comes out in July. That's a prequel to Infinity War, allegedly taking place right around the same time. That, you know, while it'll be more lighthearted, certainly starring Paul Rudd as Ant-Man, is reportedly delving more into the quantum realm um, that was started to be explored in the, in the first Ant-Man. Who knows what secrets may be there that may be key to uh, stopping Thanos. And obviously, as the post-credits sequence of uh, Infinity War suggests, Captain Marvel, uh, whose film uh, is released in March, and which is a prequel to the entire MCU so far, uh, that's going to play, I'm sure, a big role in uh, Avengers 4 as well, the introduction of Brie Larson's uh, superheroine uh, into that mix. Um, so, you know, I have to imagine there's some calculation scheduling those two movies in particular in between uh, Avengers movies. Uh, but who knows? You know, I, I, I happen to think it'll probably go a little bit further than just the time stone, but... Um, you know, I think that they, they anticipate that's what we we are thinking, and perhaps there's more to it than that. Yeah, and there's so much to really love about this movie. Like, it's just so interesting how they decided to divide the characters, which characters they they decided to pair up with each other. I, I, I think my favorite – I think the Guardians of the Galaxy are used really well in this yeah. movie. Uh, when they're all together and they, they pick up Thor – in the aftermath of what Thanos has obviously done, having killed Loki and Hemdall and, and everybody else who you know had fled Asgard, I assume that means Korg and, and Valkyrie too. But I hope not. I, I kind of had hoped that Korg would turn up in this movie, but he doesn't, uh, which is unfortunate. But you know, I love when uh, Thor and Rocket air off and go do their thing, and they meet up with gigantic uh, Peter Klitsch, who has the line of the movie, in my opinion. Um, but then also, you know, you have obviously Tony Stark and, and Peter Parker and Doctor Strange. They make a great team with uh, Mantis, too, and, and, and Star-Lord. And I mean, Gamora and Thanos going off doing their thing. I, like, all, all of these pairings are, are great. Is there any one of those that sticks out to you the most? I mean, I think I laughed every time Thor called Rocket a rabbit. <laughs> um, that, that, was a, that was a pretty easy laugh. But... Um, you know, when when Doctor Strange came out, the the solo film, there was some grousing about how Doctor Strange as a character is essentially just a magical Iron Man down to the to the goatee and giant ego. So seeing those two characters paired off uh, with egos that can scarcely be contained, uh, I thought was 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 very entertaining. And the, the to throw Star Lord on top of that. Um, was was also quite quite entertaining, though obviously Star Lord's story takes a more tragic route there near the end. 
I love that. I, I re- I've actually heard people say that this is uh, the weakest that Chris Pratt has been so far. No. I totally disagree. I thought I disagree as well. I, I, like you said, the turn. I, I, Gamora and Nebula are so good in this movie, and, and obviously the, what happens with Gamora, how that impacts. Uh, how, really, the biggest strength of that is the action sequence, which I think is the best action sequence in the entire movie. But the, the sequence leading up to Star-Lord's revelation that Thanos has sacrificed Gamora, yeah. where he and, and Strange and Iron Man and, and Peter Parker and Mantis are all sort of like banding together to take on Thanos, it, like, it is just like comic book glory up there on the big screen, man. Like, it is just so good. And you kind of, you know, we all kind of know that Thanos is going to win the day uh, in that particular sequence or, you know, by the end of the movie. But, man, you start to get the feeling, wait, they're going to beat Thanos here. This is awesome. It was just super well staged, and it's one of the better, I would say, fight sequences of MCU so far. Yeah, I'd agree. That that sequence is is terrific Um, and and, uh, is capped by that surprisingly emotional moment uh, with Chris Pratt kind of selling it. I mean, he, he does a really great job. But the movie's filled with great action. I mean, if your audience was anything like mine, you know, the arrival of uh, Captain America, his introduction in the movie got cheers. The arrival of Thor uh, at the Wakandan battlefield got cheers. Um, and most of most of our heroes uh, get these great uh, character moments. I mean, uh you know, even some of the supporting characters from Black Panther uh, show up and get great little moments. Um, uh, you know, it's, it really is just a, a wealth of MCU riches, I suppose, um, for fans of the, you know, all of these movies. I mean, what's not to love other than, I suppose, the wait uh, to see how all of this is going to be resolved? Yeah, there were there was cheering at both of the parts that you just mentioned with Captain America and Thor in, in my theater. And it's interesting you mentioned the Black Panther characters. I have to think that that little beat with Shuri down the stretch of the movie where she sees the, the bad guys coming in and she starts working a little faster and rushing through the project where she's supposed to extract the stone from Vision's head. I don't know. Something tells me that could come back because there's not really any sort of um, payoff with that in this movie that I can yeah. remember anyway. And, and Shuri is obviously one of the more like likable and resourceful characters now in MCU. So it would surprise me if that, for whatever reason, like Vision doesn't you know return and play some sort of role uh, moving forward in how they beat Thanos. Um, so we'll see. That's, you know, nerdy stuff to get uh, lost, you know, <laughs> to sort of like lose track on. But um, what do you, like, the, what do you think of the fact that Captain America seemed to be relegated to not just a supporting role here, but not in my opinion? I mean, he had some fun moments. Like you said, his entrance is great, and he has some good Steve Rogers lines here and there. But for the most part, he's he's pretty much a he, he's on the fringes here. Yeah, he's a bit of a background player in this. Which, um, yeah, that's one of my issues. My favorite MCU movie is Captain America Civil War. My favorite MCU movies in general are the Captain America movies. But Civil War in particular, I say not because it's a Captain America movie and he's obviously front and center, but because 
that movie, also directed by the Russo brothers, also written by the same screenwriters, manages to take an almost as unwieldy uh, ensemble, introduce two new characters in Black Panther and Spider-Man, and still somehow manage to give virtually all of those characters their own arcs. I mean, if you go back and look at that movie, that is a remarkable balancing act of, uh, you know, introducing these new and beloved characters, who obviously we're going to learn more about in, in their solo movies, but also doing right by the bulk of characters that we've already come to know. Um, I don't think Infinity War pulls off that balance quite as well, because by necessity, I suppose, there are a number of characters like Captain America who are relegated to supporting roles or backgrounded just a little bit. Now, I assume, given that the classic lineup of the Avengers, uh, they're all still left standing in one piece or another, by the end of this movie, I mean, I, I would assume that characters like Black Widow and, and Captain America and even the Hulk, uh, specifically the Hulk, not Bruce Banner, who didn't get much screen time in this movie, I, I would assume that they're going to take the forefront again in whatever this, this continuation is called. Yeah, what a bummer that there was so little Hulk in this movie. I mean, I know that he shows up at the, be at the beginning and has a little bit of a fist fight with Thanos, and I guess maybe the point is, well, the Hulk couldn't get it done at the beginning, so, you know, why, why will he be able to contribute down the stretch of this? But it's like, well, if the Hulk can't do it, then who can, you know? Uh, and the Hulk is, like, uh, sulking about it, I guess, just this petulant kid who got his ass kicked so bad he doesn't want to come out anymore. Right, his feelings are hurt, I guess. Yeah. Well, whatever. Um, so in, just, to, just to bring it back to, to Thanos in the ending of this movie, what, what do you think of Thanos? You, you mentioned that Thanos is arguably the best villain of, of MCU at this point. You know, again, I, like, I, I think that it's, it's still not the highest standard in the world, but I think it keeps growing, you know, especially with Thanos, obviously, Killmonger and Black Panther and, and Vulture, even Spider-Man Homecoming. So, you know, there, there are plenty of good villains in MCU at this point. Um, yeah. So it's not, it's not as low a bar as it used to be. Um, and, and Thanos helped raise it in this movie. But what do you think of the fact that he's a totally CGI character? Like, there are a lot of CGI characters in this movie, particularly Thanos and his, his henchmen, which I think are some of the most unmemorable fringe characters of, of MCU at this point. But the fact that Thanos is the most important character in this movie, like, like you and like Higgy and others have said, this is, this is his movie. Our friend Ben Stark sees it from that perspective too. Calls this Thanos the movie. He's a he's a totally CGI character, you know, like the way that Gollum has been, the way that other other you know that that uh, Caesar in, in the Planet of the Apes trilogy uh, was. What, what do you think of that? Do you think that they pulled that off nicely? I do, and I think the reason they pulled that off nicely is because you never lose sight of Josh Brolin in there. I think Josh Brolin. I mean, especially considering the traditional limitations of working in, in mocap um, does a really great job here at sort of making this hulking purple guy um, not only more human, but, but make his motivations understandable. And, um, you know, he does bring a lot to that that you really can't um, overstate, I think, 
you know, without an actor as accomplished, as skilled as Brolin in that role, this this could have gone tremendously awry, but with some pretty sensitive writing and, and a good performance there. I think it works. I think the visual effect, too, works more often than not. I don't think we're looking at a technical accomplishment on the level of Caesar or something like that, but more often than not, I think visually he, he fits right in there. And we're working in kind of a heightened comic book universe anyway. The special effects in general, I would say, are, are pretty good, though. I've heard some complaining about members of the Black Order, those uh, henchmen that you referred to just a moment ago. Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm a little uh, torn on this because I, I really like Brolin in general, and I think he is good in this movie. I guess I'm bringing my own stuff with it in terms of like how I sort of like pictured Thanos or how I heard Thanos in my head. And yeah. for whatever reason, I think Brolin's voice is like a little slighter than I had kind of pictured in my head. And, and again, that's, that's my own thing. I mean, does the performance work or not? It does. Um, but I also think that they kind of like tonally, they're kind of tonally wishy-washy with Thanos as, as we are, you know, from when they started, when they introduced him, at the end of Avengers and up to now with this movie. Because, I mean, if you remember in, at the end of the Avengers, the what the kind of vibe that they give off is he's this kind of, like, maniacal dude who is going mm-hmm. to, like, relish uh, destroying the Avengers and, and human humanity, right? And by the time we get here, he's a sad dude, you know? Like, he, he is uh, obviously motivated, but he's somebody who is not seemingly uh, a very happy guy. He's, he's obviously a, a sort of zealot extremist in nature, but um, he's a guy who uh, isn't, he, I don't know, he's not motivated by uh, the joy of what he's doing. Um, he, and, and obviously he makes a big sacrifice uh, halfway through or whenever he does uh, with Gamora, which is obviously uh, something that he struggles with internally uh, down the stretch. So I don't know. I, I just think like, I've, I've heard him, you know, called a work in progress, and that's fine. But I, again, I think that Thanos' arc is is pretty specifically and, and clearly drawn out in this movie, and I think they execute it fine, and, and the character totally works. It's just, um, again, all those other things I mentioned before about why I guess the the big impact that they're going for down the stretch doesn't completely click for me. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting. It's something new, I think, to make your maniacal, mad titan kind of this soft-spoken, haunted figure who isn't somebody, you know, like a retread of Ronan the Accuser from from Guardians of the Galaxy who just seems to want to destroy for the sake of destruction. You know, he has his own motives. He feels like this is a responsibility sort of a burden that only he can carry. And I I think that's an interesting way to go with the character, if not a fully consistent one with all of those little glimpses we've gotten of the character over the past six years or however long. Yeah, I don't know. With the CG thing, too, it works fine. And, and, you know, when it shows him in close-up, I think that's when he looks his best. When he's moving, not so much. He looks like a video game character. It kind of made me think, like, man, just put Ron Perlman in prosthetic makeup again. You know, like <laughs> let's just let's just uh, let's just do that. It worked well with Hellboy and pretty much everything else he's done 
So, um, but yeah, they, they, it's fine. Uh, okay. So on, on a larger scale, Corey, do you still like where MCU is going? Is it, or do you think this, is this the worst Avengers movie we've gotten so far? Where, where does Infinity War sort of fall, uh, one through 18? Even the first one, you know, they, they don't get much mileage for me outside of that first viewing. Uh, the first viewing has a lot of cool moments and then, all subsequent viewings have tended to fall apart. Um, this, I don't find, reaches the emotional high points of the Captain America movies or Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I don't find it as, as clever as Iron Man 3, which is admittedly probably my own thing. That seems to be the black sheep of the MCU with a lot of people, but I love that movie. Um, but, you know, I've seen this movie twice now. I think it's super rewatchable. Um, or it appears to be so far. Um, there are so many great comedy moments and lines and, and character beats and, and action sequences. And, and it ends on that great big question mark that, you know, maybe that'll detract from it when the conclusion comes out. Uh, and we'll all just want to skip to watching that one. But, but for now, this is a real, uh, a real pleasure and a really great way to kick off summer movie season, a really, uh, great way to steer the MCU into the next 10 years or, you know, indefinite future since there's no sign of them ever stopping. I think that's fair. And I, I think people are going to be able to get their summer movie jollies off by watching this movie however many times they want to. All I'm asking is Marvel, don't play us for suckers again because <laughs> – we could kind of see it coming when you when you you know had initially called this part one and the next one part two and when it ended up just being that just without using that title it's like okay guys just you know just be upfront with us next time we're all going to go see these movies anyway but um you know I, I don't know if it was a narrative decision or a marketing decision but they made it and it is what it is and I think that this overall this movie works pretty well um cool man well. Thanks for doing that, Corey. Uh, yeah. Hopefully it won't be, you know, 20 years uh, until the next time we talk. There's more to come this year. Yeah, yeah. This was fun. 